What? What are we discussing today? <laughs> are you having a laugh? I didn't take my notes, man. Tokyo Deep Cuts Part 1? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, you got some photos of them? Yes. Good. Right. Shall we, uh, shall we crack on? Let's do it. Uh, I've got some freshly baked ciabatta downstairs that I've been making since half eight this morning. So, you know, got to crack on with those. Oh, I've got the usual ginger ale and Bushmills uh, concoction ready to go. So I'm all set, but, you know, only for about 30, 40 minutes or so. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is uh, Tokyo Jazz Joints, episode 13. And uh, this week, we're going to be in Tokyo, um, because after all, it is Tokyo Jazz Joints. So we've got a series of uh, episodes called Tokyo Deep Cuts. This is going to be the first. Then we're going to uh, sprinkle two or three of those throughout um, the podcast as we go along, because, you know, we realized as much as we can group them geographically and as much as we can group them by theme and things like that, there's still so many of these places that, you know, lots of them kind of slip through those cracks. And so we wanted to kind of combine those all in uh, to to one um, theme. And so we've kind of gone with this idea of Tokyo Deep Cut. So we're going to be in five different places today. Um, and uh, again, as always, uh, in their own way, uh, each of them unique, and uh, most of them have a little bit of a story connected to them in one way or the other. James, how are things this week? Well, let's see. It's pouring rain at the moment. The humidity is at about 700,000%, so a usual June in the Tokyo metropolitan area. Uh, but the ice and uh, bushmill supplies are very well kept up, so I think I'll make it through another edition of the show. How are you doing? I'm all right. It's been a weird week. Um, it's also kind of raining here, and, you know, as much as Ireland may be associated with rain, we have had it about four times in the last two and a half months. So um, you realize how spoiled you become when you can't have the back door open all day and, you know, wander in and out of the garden. I believe, hey, there's, a, I believe there's a law that, that, that comes from Ireland that says something along the lines of the day the quarantine ends, you'll go back to having rain uh, pretty much all the time. Yeah, well, that's not meant to be till Monday, so I don't know what the hell's going on with that. But anyway, <laughs> sure, let's, uh, let's crack on here with some of these Tokyo places. So... We're going to start this week with Seabird. And um, when you go to the site, um, Seabird's only got four pictures on there. And I was trying to think back principally as to why. And if I'm not mistaken, when we went there, um, there's really a couple of reasons for that. One is that it was pretty early on in the um, project. And um, I think... You know, as I've mentioned in other episodes, I was definitely just still finding my feet in terms of like the aesthetic and the visual that I was looking for. And perhaps in some ways, just the confidence to get the camera out and, and be pointing it and, and shooting, you know, because there's always that fear of being told that you can't photograph or certainly, you know, it's a shame that the place can't be included in the project. The other reason is because I think when we turned up, Seabird was closed, wasn't it? Well, no, actually, it, it, it wasn't closed. Um, it was sort of in between hours because during the daytime, the space is used um, as a sort of a rehearsal spot for, for some local dancers, uh, high school it. kids who have okay. a dance club. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, Seabird was unusual because, you know, we've talked about a lot of times, right, the, the places we've been to are run by maybe a, a husband and a wife or uh, quite often 
often a wife whose husband has passed away. Um, Seabird seems to be run by the whole family. And I don't know if you remember, but when we got there, uh, they, they were sort of just finishing up dinner and they were eating in the place, like that's as a right. family. Yes, that's right. You know, so uh, it felt, it, we, we felt like doubly sort of like, oh my God, like, you know, not only are we the, these two random, you know, Western guys yeah. barging in with a camera, but like they're having dinner. And I was confused. I mean, remember, I thought maybe they, they were closed, but they lived in the back and they used this as their dining table. But we found out later that, you know, I think it was the daughter's sort of like high school dance club used it in the afternoon. Um, and then they opened again at night for drinks. And then they invited us to sit down. I think they even wanted us to, to kind of join them at the end of dinner, which That's was very, right. yeah, yeah, very yeah. unusual. And, and I think you had a friend show up a little bit after that as well, who was in town. So we did stick around for a drink or two. Um, yeah, and so the, that made it a weird thing. I, I do remember actually meeting someone. There was someone visiting Tokyo, and I think they came to meet me there, wasn't it? And so it all got a bit blurry in terms of like, you know, I was meeting this person who I maybe didn't know that well, and then trying to photograph the place at the same time and explain what we were doing. And, and I probably we didn't even know each other that well back then. So it was all a bit messy i suppose looking back but and, and also like seabird as you can just for a little bit from one of the pictures that you got of the of the piano which has a, a sort of a crate of you know drinks of ginger ale and whatnot on it and then the big you know acoustic bass leaning up against it and the live sign you know every saturday and friday you know free live jam um it's quite a cluttered place but very very homey like i said the family not only just the family eating dinner but there seem to be like books and personal possessions all around the sort of yeah. dusty room um we should mention the location and and i think that um, it kind of makes sense. Seabird's obviously a very old space. It's located right at the entrance of Aoyama Gakuin University um, in the center of Tokyo. But it's a neighborhood that at the time when it opened would have been very much a university area with a lot of like small little cafes and maybe, you know, businesses run out of home. These days, it's very, very trendy and built up. So Seabird is a real anomaly. Somehow they've been able to survive the rise in rent um, and to keep their business uh, running there and keep that sort of very neighborhood family vibe because it doesn't feel like anything else around the Omotosando or Shibuya area at all. And it's kind of an expensive area, isn't it? I mean, generally speaking, and actually that strip of road that it's on is kind of the the thoroughfare between Shibuya and Rapongi, essentially, isn't it? So there are a few shops and restaurants on that street, but it's it's predominantly residential. So you do wonder how they've managed to to keep going. But again, you can see that you know obviously the live jam thing is very prominent. So perhaps that's a way you know it's a space for for musicians, and obviously you know maybe particularly related to the university, there's a lot of um, back and forth there with with music students in particular. Perhaps I don't know. I love the poster of the live jam thing because it's like one of those posters that kind of you make as a kid where you cut out bits of paper or bits of uh, masking tape and stick it together and I, I always it always stuck in my head that poster I, I think it looks great it's, it's funny because I, I was thinking more it looked like the, when you're watching a, a detective show like the, the cutout that people put for ransom like ransom they kidnap note. someone yeah you know yeah. it was like yeah. random things from a magazine like okay how do you spell jam J-A-M you know okay find one from the magazine um, but yeah the, 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 the vibe there was very family friendly I have gone back uh, since that first time 
that we went there maybe just once or twice and and i think um one time the guy i we had not met him but uh another time we went and it was uh the old lady she definitely smiled and remembered us because not a place that a lot of foreigners would go to despite being right in the center of town um and certainly those opening hours are not accurate because i've walked by there after work at about 8 or 8 30 and it's been completely dark on a friday so i think okay. that the, the live jam sessions may or may not happen um i do know some musicians who stop by there though probably longtime friends of the owners um you know we might have mentioned on a couple previous shows how back in the heyday of the jazz kisaten you know golden age in the 60s and 70s how many of these spots there were around the shibuya area and seabird is fairly close to shibuya um but so many of them have you know had to close or move because of the rent so i think that a lot of the old timers still remember this place and 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 uh that's probably what allows them to keep running as a business because they certainly don't make a lot of money i mean they just serve a couple coffees and drinks you know yeah, I'm just looking through my phone here. Um, I've only got two photos, actually. Um, both of the menu, fairly tight menu there. Uh, hot coffee, hot iced coffee, milk. Uh, same price as the coffee. Milk coffee, um, uh, lemon tea, milk tea, apple tea, kalpas, which, if you're not familiar with, is a sort of a weird white sort of sugary liquid. It's a bit like that thing you have to drink before you get a berry and meal. And then cocoa. Um, so that's that's all we had. Although I do see a can of beer there, so they must have served they must serve alcohol in the evenings, I guess. But um, canned beer that uh, is not cold, so it's just kind of some stuff stuck on favorite, the shelf. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, when when I say homey, that's not always uh, a compliment. But no, I I really like Seabird, and I think it's a place that um, is is interesting because you know we've we're going to cover some more of these in this Tokyo deep dive. But some of these cafes really stretch the definition of what we would call a cafe back in the states or in europe i mean it, it is more like a living room where they put a sign up you know uh, because yeah. you don't need to one one big difference is that um i don't know how it is in ireland uh, but in the states if you are opening a cafe you have to get not only a food license but you have to get a liquor license if you're serving alcohol and that's a really yeah. long process it takes time and money but in japan you can pretty much open up a shop instantaneously and serve whatever you want and only get the sort of bare minimum of inspection so um you know some of these places like seabird you know it, it connected to a house do have that kind of feel it's like oh we've got a spare room here so um wh where was the place we went last week and uh, remember in kamakura to bird yeah he opened it up in his house just like that you know you don't have to do a lot of paperwork to do that so well that kind of extends no in general doesn't it i mean anyone who's been to japan particularly if you're coming from certainly the uk or ireland particularly and, and definitely america as well you know you'll probably be shocked by what it seems like essentially the complete lack of any sort of licensing laws i mean you can buy alcohol in in pretty much anywhere you can buy at any time of the day or night in convenience stores and things like that so it is a very different culture when it comes to that and um like you say there's very many levels of different you know drinks and what you can get depending on the place and you know it, it is okay and acceptable just to buy like a uh, um, a pallet of cans and things like that and sell just sell canned beer and places like that. Um, let's say, you know, you mentioned that we're up in Aoyama, so if you're familiar with any geography in Tokyo, 
perhaps it would make more sense if we kind of stay in that area and wander down to Harajuku, which again, if you're familiar in any shape or form with anything Japanese, um, you'll probably have come across. It's one of the places that's always shown on TV, uh, anything to do related with Japan. It's particularly famous for Takeshita Dori, which is this street that is just jam-packed with shops, cafes, um, and people, particularly young people. It's a real uh, mecca for high school students in, in particular. And, and famously, of course, you'll probably have seen um, footage of um, the cosplay people that go and stand on the bridge and kind of pose with photographs for uh, with tourists for photographs on uh, Saturdays and Sundays in particular. And then, of course, the sort of neo-rockabilly crowd that um, go and dance famously just outside Yoyogi Park. So the place that we're going to go to, which is actually in this Harajuku neighborhood, which probably wouldn't necessarily be associated with jazz, particularly is, is Jazz Union. And from the photographs, I mean, even from the front door, it looks like you're about to step back into a sort of a teenage boy's bedroom in the 1980s because it's all black and red um, <laughs> and looks like something kind of you would see in maybe Back to the Future or something like that. Well, even before you go in, I mean, and you captured it in, in the first photo, is at the entryway, um, you've got this very odd artificial turf, um, <laughs> green, like a foot, like from a football field in the States, with Jazz Union on the right with the little, you know, coffee cup. And then yeah. inexplicably, in the same colors, the Harajuku Mental Clinic with you know, a sign in a heart. Um, uh, they just, you know, coincidentally share the building. But it's just, okay, look, you know, we've talked about buildings in Japan uh, having a lot of very random and different shops in the same structure. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's not like the mental clinic will be all like, you know, medical offices in the building. But this one was very odd because it's like they decided, oh, yeah, let's let's chip in some money and, and decorate this fake green grass at the entry. So and then put our stencils down to put our logos. Completely inexplicable. And uh, also that it's in English, you know, is just uh, yeah. very, very odd. I was, I think I looked at that, that flooring, that this carpet for at least two or three minutes the first time I walked by because I was so confused. I, I didn't know if the, the shops were connected or not, you know? I mean, we should probably clarify that they are very distinct entities and it's not a case of you go in there, get your coffee and jazz uh, and some counselling as well. I mean, the the Harajuku Mental Clinic, I mean, again, it's one of those slightly clumsy uh, translations probably from English, which you, you wouldn't necessarily maybe get in an English-speaking country. But just talking about the, the artificial turf that you were so <laughs> enamoured with, uh, if you look at the photograph of the doorway, you'll see just on the left of the doorway, there's actually a tap as well. <laughs> so presumably that's for watering the artificial grass. <laughs> Um, which I had never noticed before <laughs> until looking at the photograph now. But yeah, really odd, odd entrance. And again, you know, surrounded, I mean, it's got this fake ivy over the doorway as well, but it's surrounded by, you know, just mad sort of youth culture, like tattoo places, cafes, secondhand clothes shops, you know, real kind of, um, you know, real hub of like youth kind of culture. Uh, yeah, we were we were surprised. Um, we were surprised with the location. I had heard of Jazz Union when they opened. Um, I think maybe about a year before we went there, 
people have been telling me about it, you know, because they know that I've been going around to these places for years. And I never actually made it just because Harajuku is an area I try to avoid for most, most of the time uh, because it's just so overly crowded. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fairly new joint. But like you said, when you go in, I didn't, it's funny, I, I wasn't thinking so much. Uh, like a like a teenage boy's bedroom because of the and you you you've got the shelves with all the CDs and stuff, but I was thinking more it was this weird uh, mixture of like IKEA, and what somebody <laughs> who liked jazz kisatens um, had in their mind but didn't quite succeed in replicating it. It's a little bit too much of a hodgepodge. So you've got and you captured the, the, the old fellow there sitting there with his cap looking at the speaker. So you've got the, the audio system, the vintage audio system. Yeah. Oh, and, with and the you, exception of the, the sort of space age CD changer. like that, well, yeah, that combined with the old amp is just perfect. And then the yeah. turntable. Um, and the rather, you know, the kind of old fashioned chairs, uh, the leather back chairs. With yeah, the wooden, yeah. You know, so you've got that, but then you've also got this this sort of weird, you know, more contemporary looking font and then the black on the walls with the lighting. Very, very unusual interior. Um, and I wondered, I remember, do you remember we, we talked quite a bit with the owner. She was fairly young. I think she was in her mid-30s. Um, but we didn't really get too much into the concept of the place other than that she'd said that, you know, oh, it was a good um, opportunity to open at this building because there were no other jazz cafes really within the Harajuku area you'd have to walk a little bit there's one yeah. or two music places but I think she she felt that like as a jazz Kisatan fan opening up at this location right in the center of town in a small space was a really good opportunity and I know that they're still open I mean they've got a lot of customers who go in there it does look a little bit like um they've got the stuff from somewhere else doesn't it like the amp and the speakers and whatnot I I don't wonder if that wasn't taken from another place possibly that closed down i wonder you know next time you're back we could try and find out about that i mean i suppose the 80s thing for me was just the black and red like it's just so Mm -hmm. and that bright red carpet is sort of bizarre and then when you go in weirdly it's quite bright so it's not like it's kind of dimly lit and i remember it being really smoky you know because it's it's a very small place and i remember you know smoking in there people smoking in there and it just being like a very intense experience in what's already a very intense neighborhood anyway you know? yeah very loud um narrow you know smoky interesting and you got it in the in the in the sign um in the entry photo there you know they've got free wi-fi um and interestingly you you're allowed to bring your food in there which is i'm not i'm not sure i've seen that before in japan mm. seen that you know you see that's kind of thing you see in new york sometimes where it's like oh we, we opened a little uh gallery space but we don't have a license so bring your food or drink in you know mm. i've never seen that and that's not a japanese custom generally um but uh, so it's a bit of a mix of like old style but new style as yeah. well with free wi-fi and like you know okay bring in your food and the lady that runs it's a bit younger so yeah really unique spot and i mean i definitely recommend going by there she knows her music really well yeah and again i mean if you're visiting tokyo you know the chances are you'll definitely be in harajuku and you know i don't know what your thing is but certainly if you want a break or respite from um from harajuku and what it's generally associated with um definitely um jazz unions a nice stop off point i think um, and of course, by all means, bring your own food as well. So um, let's move on to a couple of, uh, I suppose, more traditional or certainly places maybe that we're, uh, you know, feel maybe more at home in, certainly. Um, 
which is uh, step. So the first of the two is step, step jazz spot. Um, now, I sort of have a bit of a, with places like step and Gugan and quite, and once we get up into that sort of area around the center of Tokyo, I always get a bit confused. So what neighborhood is step in again? Okay, step is um, in Kanda, which is, um, okay. you know, on the east side of town. It's an older neighborhood, um, more well-known for real old drinkery spots. Um, although there's, a, you know, a few a few jazz spots around there. Um, but step is, is interesting. It's not a very old bar. Um, and it used to be a, a sort of a, we've talked many times, I think, about snack, sunaku bars yeah. in Japan and how they're, you know, for locals, you sing karaoke, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think Step used to be a snack and uh, the current owner, and as you can see his picture that you got, he's pretty young. Um, he took it over from his parents when they got a bit older. And he was like, "Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to run a snack bar." Um, and he realized his parents had a lot of jazz records already, like a lot of Japanese people would do in their homes, even when they don't own a shop, you know. And he was also a huge fan, so he decided to turn it into a proper jazz bar. And it's interesting because, I mean, two things really stick out about Step. One is how big it is. It's way, mm. way bigger than the average place uh, that we've been to. You can tell just from the first photo. Look at the distance that you got between yourself, the counter. Yeah. And then the bar, it's usually you're like at least half a bit closer. Um, and the second thing is that they have live music in there. Now, you know, we, we went over this before. You know, it's not a jazz club. It is a bar, but he does have regular live music. I would say twice a week or so, uh, usually on Saturday nights. Um, and, of course, the, other, the third unique thing, he's very, very young. You know, and definitely, you know, half the age of the average uh, jazz bar owner, right? Who's going to be pushing 70. I thought you were going to mention the Grinch T-shirt as the third thing, but um, he, he does. He looks. Um, I mean, again, we, we don't know who's listening and where, but certainly, if there's anyone listening in Malaysia, uh, we hope that it's Sean Smith, um, and uh, he's a friend of ours um, from Japan. And I've only just realised, looking at this photo as we're getting ready for the podcast today, that he's basically uh, Sean's Japanese doppelganger. So if you are listening, Sean. Um, and you're back in Japan, might be worth hooking up. You know, it'd be worth it, if nothing else, just for the photo opportunity. It'd be good to get you side by side uh, and and really make the comparison complete. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't step. We went in again. I think I, I think we, we kind of targeted this place quite early. I think maybe you'd been working or something. We met after that. And um, I think also what stands out is just looking at the photos, how bright it is. Like, there's so many lights. I mean, it's a tricky place to photograph, but it, it's um, very clean, very bright, as you've said, very big. And uh, there was no one in there at all uh, when we went in. And, you know, somewhere this size for Japan in general is just very unusual, but particularly for any of the places that we visited, certainly in the metropolitan areas, is very unusual. I love the fact that he has the, this combination of the CDs and the records too, because, you know, again, looking back at, at Union that we just talked about, there's all CDs, Shiramuren, all CDs. And, you know, some of these places, I guess, at a certain point when they thought the days of vinyl were numbered, um, you know, they, they all switched over to CDs. And it's really nice to see that there's still that combination of both, uh, you know, both formats there as well. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that probably more places than I think people would expect. I, I think a lot of people, because we, you know, and, and we maybe contributors, we go on and on about the great audio system that they have and the amps and the turntables and their big record collections. But but you'll often see on the side shelves a lot of CDs as well, um, sometimes because the owner's just out of space. 
um, or because the new releases they couldn't get. You know, there could be a number of different reasons. Um, but I would say most owners, as as obsessed as they are with the audio, um, they're not anti-CD the way a lot of jazz collectors are. Uh, and that's that's kind of good. Of course, you've yeah. got a few exceptions. I remember one guy actually um, getting really, really upset with me when I asked, oh, can I pick up some... It was some old album. Like, oh, can I pick up the reissue and CD? And he said... That's not how this music is supposed to be heard. I thought you were oh. a fan. And I was Oops. like, oh, okay, sorry about that. <laughs> you know, well, if you've got, you know, 10,000 yen to give me for the original vinyl, okay, I'll pick it up on record, you know. I've never been that kind of collector, but, um, yeah, you do have a few of those owners. But, uh, but no, it's certainly in step. And I remember actually him telling me that. was He, he really wanted, and I think you can see that in the pictures, um, maybe it's because of the space, maybe it's because of the lighting, um, but it feels more like an American jazz bar than a Japanese mm. one. Definitely has even the little lampshades on the, on the yeah. counter. For some reason, that strikes me as very like New York cocktail bar, you know? Yeah. Uh, or the kind of place that, you know, would play jazz like in the movies, you know, uh, back in the old days. So it had a little bit of an American type feel, which is interesting because Kanda is such an old Tokyo neighborhood full yeah, of yeah, yeah. very local places. Um, but um, it's a good place to stop by. And, and uh, I, I ha did have a check uh, before tonight's episode. Thankfully, both Seabird and Step are still open for business right. so they've been able to withstand the, the last couple months i mean you'd have to imagine the rent at step is going to be very expensive considering how big it is it's nice to see somewhere like this particularly with a young owner because you know there's a much more chance that uh its future is guaranteed um so again you know uh, we can add it to that list of places that we've talked about those sort of forward thinking places that definitely would seem to have a much um rosier future and i suppose being in that area particularly there's probably less pressure certainly on rent and gentrification and that kind of thing than you might get in somewhere like shibuya or whatever else so uh, fingers crossed step will be with us for for a long time to come so then gugan is the next place we were going to talk about uh, in this episode and is that it was. It's around the corner. It's it's in that same area, isn't it? But I think we went to it on a different day. Uh, a little well, a little bit of a walk between Kanda and Ochanamizu Station. But yeah, same same rough area, um, east side of east side of town. Um, I absolutely love Bar Guggen. Um, I don't know if you remember uh, the first night that we went there because I think I had been there. Maybe I had been there a couple times before before you and I went. I, I, I don't know. But I kind of uh, heard about it by random um, because that in that area, there's a couple of really famous live clubs in Ochanamizu, um, especially uh, Nadu, which a lot of our listeners who've been to Tokyo might know. Uh, but anyway, somebody told me about, about Guggen. And they said, yeah, you got to go talk to uh, Yamamoto-san. That guy, uh, he really knows his music. And so we went. I went by the first time to talk to him. And <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember what the sign is on the outside of the bar? Can you uh, the one in the picture? Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about that because I thought to myself, you know, in many ways, like Japan and Japanese as a language is very vague, um, deliberately so. Uh, but, you know, equally, the J Japanese are very precise people and, you know, they're famous for punctuality in particular. And if you if you arrange to meet someone at 3.15, you know, it means 3.15, not sort of 3.25 or around 3. But then it just shows in a way, in one simple sign, how different the mentality of some of these jazz bars and jazz bar owners are. Because 
if you're looking at the pictures, you'll, you'll have already seen it. But if you're not, it basically says on the on the sign outside Jazz Bar Gugan, lazy afternoon until about midnight, which, you know, <laughs> in English. So, you know, which just sums it up, really, doesn't it? Isn't is that uh, just, I mean... Yeah, I, I saw that and immediately was like, I, this place will have to be really awful for me not to love it because that yeah, sign yeah, is just, yeah. it's just so perfect. And um, and then you also got a picture of the great uh, Ornette Coleman album on, on the wall as you walk down the steps. So right away I said, okay, I, I'm going to be very happy in this place, and sure enough, uh, Yamamoto-san, the owner, was was not a disappointment. Um, he was uh, as prototypical a Tokyo jazz bar owner as you could imagine. Um, super cool, unflappable. Drinking his whiskey at seven o'clock. Um, must have had about thirty cigarettes in in the two hours that I was there the first time. Um, it just just completely doing his own thing. Uh, I did ask him about you know because the space is very very small. I mean it seats about I think what is it five at the bar and a couple at the side table. Yeah. Um, and yet he had a sign up for live music as well. And I was like, how how do you get live music in here? And he just looked at me and he's like. Well, it gets a little bit crowded. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it would. But where do they actually play? And he's like, well, you know, they just stand and play. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And then later on, I asked a customer about it. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's great. Like, somebody will just start playing the sax or bass. But, you know, we'll just crowd around them. And they'll just stand in the center of this tiny little bar. And I just thought, oh, my God, I've got to get down here for one of those shows, you know? I mean, because that's not even, I wouldn't even call that a performance or a gig. That's just like, you know, guys jamming. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I think for me, I know we'll probably do an episode on just sort of favorite uh, images maybe um, or, or memories, but I think for me definitely the picture that I was lucky enough to get of him um, against the drinks, I mean, he just looks so serene. I, I think he was actually, I, I definitely asked him for that, but I think he just sat there as he talked to us and, you know, every so often would kind of drift off, uh, close his eyes, listen to the music. He was a lot more chatty and animated than perhaps that picture suggests but um yeah i i love that picture we've used that i've used that picture for a, a flyer um once I or think twice that, w- that was the first ever flyer because i remember you you sent it to me and i was so excited i was like wow we've actually got a printed picture this is great i think We're it was the big second time. one i think we used it for the exhibition out in california i showed the one in uh in upstate new york no was i there think no, that was the no owner of uncle tom one. for that one um, oh, I think that was Uncle Tom, Tom, but the okay. second one that I okay. uh, did, I think, was this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it said Tokyo Jazz Joints across the top there mm-hmm. where the, the second shelf of bottles are. But yeah, there's just something about, I mean, the only thing that's missing maybe is some records, but there's something about that photograph that just sums up, you know, the project in one image, you know, it's, I think. It's funny because one of the only good photos that I ever took um, before you and I met and started doing this and i would take photos on my little flip phone you know just for my website uh was one of him um in the background smoking but in the foreground he has this little statue of jacko pastorius playing a bass some (laughs) that's some carved little statue on the bar that i took Mm. really really up close and behind it sort of a slightly out of focus in the background you just see him smoking and i use that on my banner on the uh on my tokyo jazz site uh, facebook page which is not really checked in the last couple years but anybody who still uses facebook uh look up tokyo jazz site you'll see a picture of yamamoto-san there and Unless of, course you're, you're, unless, of course, you're looking at the Tokyo Jazz Joints Facebook page, James. Yeah. 
Some people are still using that, right? I'm sure. Um, one thing we that can't, we can't all me, be social media whizzes, Philip. That, that is I mean, true. Try, yeah. try, try my best just to stay, you know, just to stay current. You know, you're keeping what, up. You're keeping up. Tick, 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 yeah, tock is the new thing. Okay. We should make. Our I mean, own that's own. an account we'll all be following. I think if that if that <laughs> if that ever comes to light. But um, I think for me as well, one other thing just before we move on to the last place this week is is. Um, the record sleeves. I mean, it's got free jazz there, which is obviously the original version of the album. You've got Eric Dolphy live at the five spot there, which again, those of you who've been listening is a nice little throwback to, to the story about Sharma. Um, but like, I just think again, it's one of those things that's so Japan, you know, those are the original record sleeves stuck on the wall outside and accessible 24 hours a day, whether the place is open or not. And, you know, in a lot of other countries, they'd be gone, whether for somebody that actually wanted them or whether someone just wanted to, you know, mess about or mm. vandalize them or whatever. Um, and I just think it's always amazing, you know, th that how safe uh, in, in many ways Tokyo can be and um, how you can you, just stick stuff up there and trust that it will stay up there because, you know, why why wouldn't you? Because it belongs to the bar and it's part of the bar. And so people wouldn't think necessarily of taking it, you know? That's funny because my uh, my thoughts about the record albums were, so he's got the Ornette and then he's got the Eric Dolphy. Well, when you go into the very, very tiny bathroom uh, and you're, you know, standing up and as you look up, there's a, right in your face is an album cover. Do you remember Julie London, the old yep. jazz vocalist who's mm -hmm. quite quite the foxy looking gal uh, mm -hmm. and uh and and it's album cover it just says julie london make love to me right as you're standing there taking a leak and i remember just bursting out laughing because <laughs> i was thinking like okay i you know J julie london that's great i'm not sure what she has to do with the ornette uh, double quartet but um you know hey it's it's all jazz uh, it was just curious placing for him to put that right above the, the bathroom you know i think actually there. Uh, is that the same album that's up in Eminem. You know, maybe, it might maybe, be because isn't, isn't, you know, it, she's the kind of singer that a lot of the older Japanese jazz fans, male jazz fans, would have loved back in the day. You know what I mean? That kind of sultry sort of look, singing the sort of standards, Sinatra style. I mean, you could see the guys who grew up in that era would have loved those, but it just, there was something about that album with the Eric Dolphy and Ornette that I could never quite think. I mean, you know, you don't hear that wide a variety. If, you, if somebody's playing those kind of vocal albums, I don't think they'd be putting on free jazz afterwards, you know? I can't remember where Eminem uh, M is. Uh, is it in Kobe or Kanazawa? Eminem's in Kobe. Kobe, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just scrolling through my phone. I'm not checking. Oh, no. It's a different one. Sorry. It's the You Get More Bounce with Curtis Counts. It's that album. That <laughs> sort of scantily clad woman dressed as a doctor in a stethoscope. Hmm. Um, but again, uh, yeah, I don't remember that bathroom as much, actually. Um, I'm sure you've got I don't a photo seem to have any it was, record it was, of it. It was another one of those sort of air, airplane-sized, you know, you, you kind of smoosh yourself in close the door and you barely have space to turn around um but yeah. um yeah i mean guggen only i mean it can only fit less than 10 people um at a time and um but definitely worth going to um and you will hear the music he's i think you got it in the photo there you see the speaker you'll hear the music uh, from outside and um so you'll know whether he's open or not and i should mention i it just popped back into my brain guggen the name um is actually from um a tune by the japanese pianist yamashita yosuke 
uh, who's a very, oh, really? very famous um, jazz pianist in Japan. Yeah, yeah, that's one of his songs. So um, that kind of stuck out too, because, you know, we, we talked before about this, how a lot of the jazz joints don't feature Japanese mm. jazz. You mm. know, they tend to focus on the American and European stuff. But um, I guess Yamamoto-san, quite a fan of Yamashita Yosuke, and so named his bar after that. Because I didn't know, when I went there, of course, I didn't know, what is Guggen? I thought it might be a song title from, you know, some jazz tune I never heard. And he told me that it was from, uh, from Yamashita-san. So that's one for our, our BBE uh, Japanese jazz collector friends. Shout out to Mike and Tony. Yeah. Coming up soon uh, on the podcast as well. We've got a great interview with those two um, already in the can. So that will be out um, in the next couple of months as well. So just to wrap things up this week then, James, um, let's um, go back to Shibuya, which, you know, increasingly has become a popular spot. I know certainly when I went to Japan uh, in 97, Shibuya was, it was a kind of a cool place to go but not necessarily um, as kind of slick and uh, touristy as it certainly has become but if you go slightly off the beaten track um, you come to swing and uh, what to say about swing I mean I think for me swing is like walking into it's like walking into a jazz museum really isn't it and and even more so than than the sort of museum like feel that a lot of the places we've talked about previously have wouldn't you say um, it's much more, uh, no, I, I would agree with you. It's got the museum feel, but it's deliberate. It's very clearly trying to create this kind of speakeasy type of, mm. uh, of yeah. atmosphere. So you've got the, and, and you captured it with the sort of that, you know, the painting there, the, even the font that he uses with the sign, kind of an old fashioned font, um, the furniture, the incredible collection of 78s. I mean, you know, I, I've never seen that many 78 RPM albums in one spot, you know? It's amazing, isn't it? Um, yeah, I and mean, that always stands out to me. It's just insane yeah, how many that, there are. That's the only, I think that's the only um, 78 collection that I've seen in a jazz bar. Normally, the jazz guys here don't, if they have them, they wouldn't put them in the cafe because they're so fragile. But he's got a couple hundred, um, and I love how he's got them underneath the vacuum tube amps and with the, the record land picture of Sinatra there as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you can see exactly the vibe that he's going for. Um, I can't remember the owner's name right now, but um, he is a trombone player, and so he does play in a, in a variety of groups. He plays in a small, uh, I think he plays in a quintet and he also plays in a swing big band and you can see some of the instruments you captured there next to the speakers with a rather inexplicable sort of i don't know what kind of dog is that it's not a poodle is it a corgi uh some sort of terrier i'd say terrier? With, my new, with my newfound uh you know dog knowledge over the last couple of years um, um it um, it's not a real dog, obviously. We should clarify it's not a taxidermy dog, but it is a little bit perhaps the the kind of stuff of nightmares. Uh, you uh, I can found imagine it to that. be exceedingly creepy that it was just standing there, like against in front of all of this, like old these old instruments, really cool speakers, you know, Great Day in Harlem picture up there, and then you know why is like you know Rex just sitting there on this kind of like wheeled thing it was i imagine it sort of wheeling around um those wooden floors at night with this <laughs> sort of squeaking about uh when no one's there but i mean if you look at if you're looking at the photographs again and uh, we always recommend that you kind of have them open if you can while you're listening um tokyojazzjoints.com forward slash swing is where you'll find these ones you'll see in the photograph that james is talking about with with this the audio system and the the creepy dog and and the trombone and so on on the left hand side a fairly extensive lunch menu and Again, this is one of these places that 
is is a full working cafe, isn't it? Like if you're out in the Shibuya neighborhood and you pass by, you can go in there and get a fairly hefty lunch and a coffee, uh, whether you're a jazz fan or not. Um, so, you know, again, sort of like uh, a little bit more open to, to different types of customers, n- not a purist in that sense, and certainly um, somewhere that we would hope, like, depending well, on what happens friend, in Shibuya. Um, well, I, I no need to go into this. I think our listeners are well aware of my policy on eating in, in jazz joints. Um, policy number one, don't do it. And that's it. Uh, but, um, yeah, you were right about the newness factor. Do you remember our friend uh, Jack, Mr. Jukes? Didn't yes. he not do a little DJ session here in Swing uh, as part of his promo video? So, you know, it's really that's interesting right. because the owner here, so he's got this sort of retro vintage. He plays the trombone in a swing band. He's got the 78 records, the old vacuum amps. He's created a very old-style shop but completely was open to having um, a late 20s British indie rock guy come in and do a promo video for his new sort of jazz project, which is not something a lot of the owners would do or even remotely consider. Mm. Um, so I think that that is, you know, one to add to our list of, of um, newer shops that are a little bit more forward thinking, um, which is, you know, really necessary because, I mean, imagine how many people may have watched uh, Mr. Jukes's video. I mean, you know, several hundred thousand. A lot of those would have come over from Britain or the States, wherever, trip to Japan and might have been, oh yeah, I want to go see that joint that he was in, you know? Um, I mean, that's this free advertising and, and a great way to, to spread the word about your place. You know, we've covered how not all the owners want to have more customers, but if you just opened a new place like Swing was a couple years ago, you know, you clearly need to increase the, the, the foot traffic. So, um, yeah, really interesting decision by him to allow that to 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 be shot there um and yeah just a just a great little spot um if you are listening to this from tokyo um you may know the great um african restaurant los barbados run by daisuke lokito it's just up the street from him behind bunkamura so grab a bite at los barbados and then go have your drinks at swing and you've got a perfect night set up Nice. Uh, Jack, if you are listening, I know that I, I sent the podcast on to Jack, um, uh, also known as Mr. Jukes, um, of, uh, also of uh, Bombay Bicycle Club fame. Um, apologies there if James has completely underplayed the number of watches you've got on your video. But if, if you do want to see Swing um, in, in a more 3D version than, than the photographs there on the site, you can go to tokyojazzjoins.com. If you go onto our exhibitions page, there's a link there. I think it's 6,000 miles for a sample was the promo video for his record as well. So by all means, check that out. Uh, you can even see us on there waffling on about the project. And I think we've covered that in a previous episode anyway. Listen, James, we're probably going to wrap things up there, I think, for this week. Um, that was Tokyo Deep Cuts Part 1. We've got at least two more um, episodes uh, along that theme, so watch out for those coming up. Oh, we've, we've got some even even deeper cuts coming, which is, I'm really looking forward to that, because a few people have asked me, um, you know, when are you going to talk about the really, like, impossible to find places that, you know, pretty much no one who doesn't re- live in the city you know, could get to. And I was like, don't worry, it's coming. I mean, there's so many of them that, as you said, we've got to divide it up into three. And I think we've got even a little, maybe a extra that'll come when we do Saitama as well, right? Because... Yeah, uh, I think there's definitely more than that. suburbs so, um, of, uh, of Tokyo, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, anyone who's interested in our process, as they say, um, you know, we have uh, everything dumped on a Google Doc and we're in and out of there. 
uh, and constantly kind of rearranging. But, you know, we reckon we've got content for uh, at least the next few months ahead. So uh, thank you to everyone who's listening each week, uh, supporting us. Thank you to everyone who is um, sharing and liking our stuff online. Please go to the website, tokyojazzjoints.com, check out uh, the pictures of the places that we talked about and indeed all the joints that are on there. There's over 130. Follow us on social media. You can get us on Tokyo Jazz Joints on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and, and don't forget, if you'd like to hear a very, very special jazz mix prepared by your gracious host, Philip Barneal, head over to yes. KOL Radio at Mixcloud. That's K.O.L Radio at Mixcloud. You can hear the straight from Dublin lockdown jazz mix by you, Philip, and a whole bunch of other great shows by me and DJ Old Scott and a whole range of guest selectors. The best new radio station online. That's the end of today's PR program. More shameless, absolutely shameless. See you next week, buddy. Be safe. See you next week, James. Take care. Ciao.